birthday? You yeah. Join the forties? How was that? What did you do? Thanks did you do anything fun? Present, man. That was yeah, very yeah. nice. Well, I, you know. Uh, he only turned forty yeah. once. I'm forty, and then the next day, my dick went numb. <laughs> that's a co- That's a COVID like, thing I've heard. <laughs> like I must have been sitting just right to have that go numb, and I was like, okay, shit's oh. immediately starting right. to fall so off. So this is what I gotta look forward to. Maybe yeah. my balls have started to drop like all the comedians say they will. Uh, uh, well, probably should have done that in your teens, but... Not what I was talking <laughs> about. You've heard of this, right? Mm, no. So apparently, we have to look forward to our balls starting to sag. Oh, sagging more more so than what they are. Yeah, like where yeah. you can accidentally sit on them. Ow. Damn. Yeah. I'm just not looking uh... forward to it. <laughs> No, maybe not everybody is afflicted with that condition. I mean, it's possible. I've only heard comedians talk about it. Have you watched anything good lately? Uh, we're, we're making our way through Stranger Things, which is still, I just feel like, the only show worth watching because it's got everything. It's comedy. It's adventure. It's like, oh, shit, that was epic. Production design and, and so many characters that, like, they can mix it up. Like, if you're getting tired of the bullshit with the kids, well, let's hang out with Hopper for a while. And he's going through some shit with the Russians. I love Hopper. You know? Yeah. So I just feel like, who can beat this show right now? It's really good. We've only got through four episodes, so. There's not too many left, is there? I think there's nine, so we're not even halfway. We've been rewatching Breaking Bad. Still haven't made it past the first season of that. Really? Maybe someday we'll get to it. Really quite a show. That's what I hear. Yeah, beginning to end. And then, because we're rewatching that, because... We've never watched Better Call Saul. Well, Better Call Saul takes place before that, so... Ish. Yeah, does it continue into it? It's It must, because Bob Odenkirk looks so goddamn old in the last season. How can they say, oh, now watch Breaking Bad, where it picks up from this story? Come on. First episode, it's post-Breaking Bad. I see. And you're getting him thinking back. My dad is a fanatic about it, so I could ask him. He would have all the there, info on it. There's arguments that it's better than yeah, Breaking right Bad, and that seems crazy to me, but we'll see. I think it's funny that like this Vince Gilligan guy, he can just come up with ideas and then make them work, and he just seems to always be firing on, on all cylinders. I don't know how he does it. Does he do anything else? I don't I don't think so. I think he said he's yeah. kind of done with that world now, and he wants to do something else, and I'm just like, well, welcome to obscurity. Because nobody's going to care. You're just the next David Chase who did The Sopranos. Uh, No one's ever cared about what he's done ever since. It's hard. It's hard to top it. It's like all the musicians that did all their good stuff in the 20s, which is most of them. And then they they realize, well, I got 60 more years as being a musician. I'll never equal what I did. That's just like the Game of Thrones creators. Like, Mm. who gives a fuck? They signed up for, what, Star Wars? They signed up for, like, a first look deal with Netflix. And I don't think they've put out a single show. Well, what's the new show? Does that have anything to do with them? I don't think so. I mean, it's like... Like another Game of Thrones called House of Dragons. I know they've certainly been promoting the hell out of it. Yeah, and it just had its premiere. And did you see the somewhat viral video of a guy showing his footage of the outside of an apartment building? And you could see that everybody was, not everybody, but a lot of apartments were all watching the same thing at once. Isn't that a great promotion? (laughs) You can't pay for that. That's awesome. I have no idea if it's any good, but yeah, like it was like, their biggest premiere of any show ever was Isn't like funny people with how much people hated the ending of game of thrones they I were willing know. to come back for more which is crazy because i have no interest in watching this show other than the fact that matt smith is in it yeah all right we should probably start this i guess welcome everyone mm. to another episode of aaron and justin talk sequels i'm justin i couldn't be more excited to be 
Aaron. I can tell from your face that you're very excited. I just, I can't believe you picked these movies. They're very close to my heart. Fuck you, you picked these I did, because I love the first one, but the second one was quite a trial, which is inherently why we're here to talk about the sequel, because that's the point. Yeah, so we are here today talking about Grease 2, a 1981? I think so. Uh, 82, maybe? Yeah. 81, 82? Oh, wait, it's right in front of me. The 1982 sequel to the, we're going to say smash hit, 1978 musical Grease. I, as is often the case with Aaron's picks, I had never seen either of these movies (laughs) all the way through. I had seen bits and pieces of Grease. I knew there was a flying car. Which is weird to me because I think that you, out of the two of us, you have probably seen way more movies than me. Not big on musicals. Still. Yeah. I pick so many movies that you haven't seen and I, I, it surprises me. They just made a sequel to a movie that was a pretty big hit uh, called Top Gun Maverick. And I've never seen the original yeah. So you should pick that for your next choice, to, so it'll make me watch Top Gun Maverick. Nah, I'm, I'm good. I don't really need to see that one again. Damn it. It was it was overhyped. Uh, it wasn't bad, though. Why did I pick this? Uh, well, Grease is definitely a movie that I grew up with because my sisters would just watch it nonstop. It was like they watched Grease, they watched Selena, the uh, Jennifer Lopez movie, and uh, probably Princess Bride... Those are probably like the three that played the most, just all the time. Princess Bride has nothing to do with being a girl. That's one of the best movies ever made. I'm not saying it's because they're a girl. I'm just saying this just happened to be what the girls and my family would pick all the time. All right. But the thing is, growing up in our town, I had to pretend like I fucking hated all of them. We were not allowed to pretend you liked girly things. Am I wrong about that? You know I'm right about that. I think all boys in their teenage years are afraid of standing out. I would say not so much anymore because back in the day, the H word was such an insult and you would never want to be called, if you were a boy, you would never want to be called the H word. You know what I'm saying? That was like thrown around like crazy, but there was a lot of gay panic, I would say. So anyway, point is, I wasn't allowed to say I liked Grease, but I fucking loved Grease. I love John Travolta's character, Olivia Newton-John, I thought was so hot. Uh, especially at the end uh and it just had amazing songs and i've wanted to do grease 2 for a while because i never saw it and it's definitely been on our list like the original list that we made and how could you forget that olivia newton john just died yeah she she did just pass away this which which absolutely sucks you did you just said that you prefer olivia newton john at the end yes Oh, so I am such an Olivia Newton-John at the beginning guy. Well, okay, I wouldn't say I prefer. I just like that as a young man, like her, what she's wearing at the end and strutting around and everything. That that was like a, seared into my brain as something like, well, that's attractive. Yeah, and I never grew up with that, so yeah, I could see yeah. how that would be different. Totally. So this movie is great. Never having seen it, it's great. It's not five stars it's almost not five stars just on a technical level but it's absolutely four and a half stars it's so much fun and i love the fact that they all look way too old to be teenagers they just run with it so should should we do that now these people are ancient (laughs) playing 17 year olds i know in all earnestness and they really, uh, it doesn't matter though. You really it pulls it off. I did the, I was going to write them all down and just run through the list. Every member of the T-Birds in Pink Ladies, except I think there was one 23-year-old, and that might have been John Travolta. And almost everyone else was between 28 and 33. They just didn't care. And you want to get who's right for the role, and I think they pulled it off. So this cast, the majority of which are pulled 
directly from the stage performance. I don't know how much familiarity you have with the stage show. Premiered in 71 out of Chicago and then made its way to New York eventually. Bit of a raunchier affair. Yeah, I guess it was pretty risque when it started. Yeah, and I don't really know much about that. I never saw it. I mean, I, I've only, I've seen the play once, um, but it was definitely taken from the movie because they've changed it all. They wanted to make it more commercial. But I would I would say that Greece is still pretty, uh, the, the teenagers are still pretty horny. So they didn't drop everything, but it's definitely not raunchy, raunchy. So we've got Travolta. He's coming up. We've got him in, in the TV show Welcome Back, Cotter. Before this, he's got Saturday Night Fever, and that kind of cements him. Pretty sure. I feel like yeah. he probably would have left Cotter because of Saturday Night Fever, but it was probably some sort of contract. Or he had a good agent that was like, ah, just stick out the rest of the show. You know, it's good for your career. But he was a pretty good star at that point. Yeah, and so I was questioning how it said that he had input into the casting decisions. And that's where Olivia Newton-John and the director came from. You know, the producers pushed back on a lot of stuff, but Newton-John is just as really a singer at this point. I think she had one or two minor roles under her belt. And then Randall Kleiser hasn't directed a feature film up until this point. And not knowing the director, Randall Kleiser, feels like a crime. Even if, if I'm not saying this right, I'm sorry, but he has the filmography of my childhood. It's crazy. So he did The Man... In or the kid in the bubble or whatever that's called, boy in the bubble, boy in the plastic boy in the bubble. bubble. That was called starring boy John Travolta, and yeah. that's how John Travolta knows him. Right. First feature film, Grease. Next film, Blue Lagoon. That movie is ingrained in my memory. Uh, Summer Lovers, which I've never seen. Grand View, which I've never seen. And then we have, if you're born in the '80s, you just know this movie, Flight of the Navigator. Yeah, right. It's funny? such a great movie. And then <laughs> from there he goes and does the Pee Wee sequel, Big Top Pee Wee. It's all right of a film. It's not. It's not like it's not nearly as good as Pee Wee's Big Adventure, but it's a pretty good film. Obviously, nothing's going to be better than the first Pee Wee. I know that's such a good uh, film. He did White Fang. He did Honey, I Blew Up the Kid. Is that any good? I just thought it looked yeah, stupid. Good. I didn't like the way the kid looked. I thought that kid was like this idiot looking kid. I'm like, I'm not watching that crap. But he has <laughs> a solid 10 years of childhood favorites if you grew up in the 80s. Does that make him a great director? Not necessarily. No, but he had hits. So he uh, kept working. That's cool. Yeah. Flight of the Navigator I saw maybe a couple years ago and watching it as an adult. It holds up except for the soundtrack was abysmal like i just couldn't really? yeah it's just it was not good like they really if they like had somebody come in and put new music in it i think it would really would really help out I have not seen it since i was a kid but other than that it was good sarah just jessica parker Wee herman uh paul rubens you know he does the voice of the ship that's how they knew each other that's really weird so maybe that's when Wee was going to make the sequel and tim burton didn't want to do it he was like well we'll get randall i know him i was in his flight of the navigator movie <laughs> <laughs> so he tried to get Tim Burton, and it didn't work. So he had to be like, I'll get Randall! I can't yeah, do it. Right. Shit. Randall! So this is another movie that we've covered that was made in the 70s that explores the themes of being a teenager in the 50s. Big business in the 70s. People wanted to know about the 50s and the 70s. Kind of the way people want to know about the 80s now, except it's even of a longer period. I love that if you matched that up, it would be like making a historical document about the early aughts, and it just seems silly. It doesn't seem that long ago, but to no. people growing up in the 70s, the 50s did seem like a whole other country. 
Where I do think that people growing up now feel like the 90s probably feel like a whole other country. But I, I couldn't tell you too much difference between now and early part of the millennium. I think there's a lot of romanticizing of the 50s. Sure. I mean, people will say that America was at its most perfect in the 50s, even though that's obviously never totally. actually true. Yeah. But it was a time of economic stability. It was the assassination of President Kennedy and then the Vietnam War. Everything went to shit after that and we've never recovered because it showed how uh infallible we were or fallible the, infallible the fallible. closest thing to recovery was the 90s which is yeah. funny to me and that was all fucked up by 9/11. we seem to yeah but we seem to have a good time in the 90s and that's what when things got better like we kind of put aside our problems i think much like the 50s and pretended like things were good but you're right and then it was then it was bush's presidency in 9-11 that really fucked everything up and we're still dealing with that yeah we have not recovered since yeah, yeah. all right uh greece greece this movie is great because there's so much room for breaking those themes down Back then, you had the jocks and the nerds. Or not back then. Today, school dynamics are more of the athletes and the not-athletes. And you've got, like, the goth kids. Instead of, like, the nerds and the goth kids that we grew up with in the 90s, it would have been the athletes and then the gangsters. <laughs> and that is inherently more fun. I think this is also why people enjoy the 50s, because it's like you could just be a badass, and that was cool. Or you could be an athlete, and that was cool. Or you could be the pretty girl, and that was cool. And so... Greece, if you think about it, is just another word for rebellion. It's another way for the teenagers to express themselves. And this movie is all about people learning to be themselves and not worry so much about what society thinks of them. Well, they always say the 1950s was the birth of the teenager because it was that generation that was born directly after World War II when America was at its best, at its most superpower, and they were living off the goodwill of everything. So it's like teenagers didn't have anything to worry about in the, in the late 50s. That's the point of why we romanticize that age so much. Now, of course, there was racial strife and there was all kinds of problems rearing its head. The Korean War was still going on at that point, uh, which was bad, but we just don't think of it as bad as Vietnam. So they could just be whoever they wanted to be at that point. So if they wanted to be badasses riding their cool motorcycles, they could do that. And they didn't have anything to worry about, at least for a couple of years. I love when movies do this, where this is a long story told out over the course of a year, however long a school year is. When they're seniors and they're at the top of the food chain. There is a summer romance where john travolta meets danny and sandy so danny meets danny sandy. meets sandy they spend the summer at the beach i always thought it was australia yeah. <laughs> this is me growing up i thought that john travolta danny went to australia met sandy there they had this summer romance he goes back to california this is in my head he goes back to california and just amazingly she goes to the states and just happens to go to the exact same high school without knowing it that he's at that's how my young brain worked and i was like oh greece okay that's what makes sense i mean they had to have both been at a third location it sounds like there was somewhere near where they lived and she is australian and they're not hiding that fact but she is for some reason around that area and was going to leave but her father decided to stay for work or something like that. She briefly touches on this. Yeah, she's there at school as an exchange student. That's all that I... Yes, which makes it a little more 
plausible. To yeah. Me. Um, and they had to build that in because she could not pull off an American accent. I mean, she's so sexy as with that accent, so you wouldn't want to make her hide that anyways. Yeah, this girl is not on my list. I love that you love her. That's yeah, nice. well, I mean, you know, it's uh, as far as a summer romance goes, you want that uh, dream girl, right? For Danny, at least, this was this untouchable girl that he just he spent this amazing summer with. They did it. And they then he left. never did and it. And she's some worldly chick that he would never see her again. Oh, he did. Yeah, they did before they left. Because no, she said, I don't want to ruin it. And he's just like, we should do something to remember this moment by. So they had sex. No, they didn't have sex. You're they did have that. sex. No. It was not on screen. Look, they dissolved. They dissolved when they kissed and like laid down or some shit and the waves were crashing. That implies sex. The dissolved implies Their sex. Their final breakup later <laughs> in the film at the movie theater happens because Danny tries to make a pass at her. Yeah. And they've been dating for a while at this point. No, they had to start from zero because of how angry she was with the way he treated her when they when they met each other again. See, here's the thing. That was he took ago. her virginity. That's why it hurt even more when he was playing the cool guy when they finally came face to face again and he just like blew her off. That's why it hurt even more. Wrong. Wrong. Now wrong. he's been doing everyone in town, especially Cha Cha or whatever her name yeah. is. You yeah, know? he totally So it's not like his first go around, but that was her yeah. first uh, sexual experience. No. <laughs> That's the way I Audience, I need everyone to That's rise fine. up on the Twitter to, uh, to prove Aaron wrong. Right. But so they start the school year. Danny's a T-bird. He's got his guys. They drive cool cars. Well, they want to drive cool cars. They're working. They don't even it. have cool cars. Yeah, uh, they are pretty. But they will. They're a low rent gang. They're mm-hmm. at the very best, the second best gang in town behind yeah. the the Scorpions. White right? Scorpions. That's the other one. Scorpions are the yeah. badasses, but they're like also evil, and they want to start crap with their turf all the time. But that's what the Scorpions are there for. But then there's the Pink Ladies, who are inherently the t-birds girlfriends so they're like untouchable if you're not a t-bird now was that said in the first movie or just in the second no but i liked it when i heard it in the second and i was like that's how i always thought of them in the first movie a gang of girls that are reserved for the t-birds right and it's adorable so Frenchie in the Pink Ladies takes uh, Sandy under her wing. I guess she sees her like maybe you'll be a uh, a Pink Lady yourself someday. So that's why she pulls her in. Yeah. Stockard Channing leads the Pink Ladies as Rizzo. And she does not care for Sandy and her goody two-shoeness. And she is often going out of her way to screw with Sandy. The biggest early example is that she drags Sandy to where Danny is so that they're reintroduced and this is the moment initially where Danny doesn't know how to act because he was himself over the summer but he puts up this facade of guyness that we all know too well and she knows it Rizzo knows that he's gonna treat her poorly so it's like she's like it's like a sick joke on her part yeah she's very bitter bitter because apparently they had something in the past but i don't see it that way anymore like because he kind of goes through women and they don't seem to care they everybody kind of just has a fling it seems with with each other so i don't know if she's like harboring a a grudge against him but she's really just like she's kind of a bully and she just wants to take sandy down a peg because she's so cute all-american girl or even though she's australian a bully is the right word (laughs) we move pretty quickly to the pink ladies all having a sleepover at was it frenchie's house I think it was the other girl's house. The one that's all boy crazy and stuff. Jan and Marty is what I've got. Marty. I think it was Marty's house. Where Rizzo, again, makes fun of Sandy while she's in the bathroom. And just then, the T-Birds pull up 
because Danny wants to see Sandy and then he chickens out. But Rizzo at the same time is running away from her embarrassment and decides to go join the guys. Rizzo's, she's unhappy in general. Sandy's set her off. She goes out to hang out with the guys instead of the girls. And this is, it was mentioned earlier, but she is deciding that she's going to be with Kaniki, played by Jeff Conway. Conway? Conway, I think, yeah. Cool dude. I really liked him in this, but he didn't really seem to do much after. He was really good, yeah. He was in Taxi, and then he was on Babylon 5. When I look at his picture, I feel like I remember Babylon 5. But he's he's popular with, or he's famous to the world as being one of the uh, celebrity rehab guys. And then he died from an overdose because he uh, was never able to get clean. So I think that's why people remember him for that more than anything. Maybe next to Greece. I would say they remember from Greece first and then his untimely end. So right now, as we stand, Danny and Sandy aren't together. And Danny wants to be with Sandy. And Sandy kind of wants to be with Danny. So Sandy starts dating a jock on the football team. Danny isn't super thrilled about this. He's jealous. He's very jealous. But she... She wants somebody that's a jock. What did she say that makes him... But she doesn't really. She doesn't really, but... She's just doing things to make him jealous, and he's falling for it. Uh, So he tries to go out for the team as well, to show that he can do whatever anybody else could do. So we have a great little series of Danny trying different sports and him being terrible at all of them. And shout out to the coach. Do you know who that is? Sid Caesar legend. Did you read into him or did you already know about him? I know of him, but tell me more. Uh, I just knew from uh, Woody Allen mostly and Mel Brooks. They would always talk about Sid Caesar because he had a show back in the 50s, very popular, uh, your show of shows. And he gave all of these writers a start, like Woody Allen, Carl Reiner, Mel Brooks. What's the other playwright? Uh, Neil Simon, all kinds of people. I just always thought that was cool. So that's how I knew about Sid Caesar. And then I just never put it together that that was him. He's just some guy that like, it was so respected for what he did in the 50s. And here he is, it's just some character actor, but he seemed to be in good spirits and was happy to be the coach. And, he, and he's funny in it. He is great in it. And I feel like they did a good job of accurately portraying what a high school athletics coach was like back then. I feel like we borderline had that same kind of mentality in the late 80s. Yeah. He coaches all the sports. He keeps putting Danny into all these sports. And eventually, they settle on track. And this is where we get to the scene. Sandy is hanging out with her football beefcake, and she's watching Danny run track, and then he falls down. Right then, she runs up to him. I love this line. It was just such a simple, simple line. Danny looks at the her boyfriend up in the stands and he's like he's so jealous and they both look at him he waves at him they giggle and then they run away like she's done using him she's got her man back they're back together and everything is happy so we're moving through time and they're having just a night on the town and they go to the local restaurant that we've seen them at before all the friends kind of pile on and Danny is still struggling with balancing his persona with his relationship with Sandy. Right there, something important happens. Kaneki disrespects Rizzo, and they break up. The point is, is that Rizzo thinks she's pregnant with Kaneki's kid. Uh, Frenchie is another pink lady. She wants to go to beauty school, so she drops out of school, but then ends up 
failing at chemistry in beauty school. I thought she went back to high school, as the song goes. But in the sequel, they make it seem like she came back two years from then in order to get her to complete her GED. No, we'll talk about that because that's just the movie being bad. Okay. The big thing is that like an American bandstand kind of show is going to come to Rydell High, their high school, to do their dance show competition with all the students. So everybody's excited about that because everybody watches that show. Vince Fontaine, I think is his name, maybe, the guy who was the host of it. Uh, yeah. He's going to be there live, and they're going to get the live shows. So they all have to dance. So that's like one thing that everybody's looking forward to. But it's funny how if you take Kaniki and Rizzo out of this story, we simply have John Travolta and Olivia Newton-John being in love and living happily ever after. Yeah, Rizzo and, and Kaniki kind of bring in the real life we're about to graduate. Real life is going to slap us upside the head. And Frenchie is doing her beauty school thing, but that's really just for comedic effect. Kaniki gets a beat-up car that they spend the entire movie fixing up. Rizzo and Kaniki break up, so Rizzo starts banging the leader of the other gang. The dreaded Scorpions. And Kaniki, in revenge, starts banging that guy's girlfriend. And she used to date Danny. Because Danny's been around. Yeah, with everybody. But when Kaniki and Rizzo bring those two as dates to American Bandstand, or whatever the hell it is. Yeah, whatever it was called. That's when we run into trouble. Because they're the best dancers, and they, of course, come together to win the thing, and Sandy's pissed. No. Yeah. What? No, no. Isn't that what happens? See, that's why this is all Danny's fault. It's straight up Danny's fault. At the end of the competition, because it's just, it's, it's a dance competition, and Danny and Sandy are winning, Duty comes in and pulls Sandy away and starts dancing with her. And then Danny starts dancing with Cha Cha. And then for whatever reason, that was the last song. Danny and Cha Cha were the technical winners, even though. Danny should have been like, whoa, 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 no, like, it's Sandy. Where's Sandy? He doesn't even look for her. And we have uh, that guy, the American bandstand guy, Vince Fontaine. Hitting on a 16-year-old. Yep, the whole time. <laughs> I tell you, everybody's horny in this movie. That's why I think kids also love watching this movie. It's because everybody's so horny in it. It really speaks to your hormones at that age. It's true. It's all unspoken. I hope kids listen to podcasts. Uh, kids, listen to this horny podcast. <laughs> There's an amazing shot when the dance ends and everybody comes. Do you, do you remember this? Everybody comes together in this big wide shot and they all strike a pose. And then Vince Fontaine does a backflip into it and someone throws him the mic from off camera and he fucking catches it. And you could see on his face how amazed he was that he actually pulled it off. And But they don't break character, but I just you could see it in that moment. It was the most amazing shot. So I really enjoyed it was- that. It was really good. Afterwards, they all are going to the movies. We don't know if this is a week later, a day later, what. Danny tries to hook up with Sandy. She's like, absolutely not. How dare you? It is so insulted. She breaks up with him. Which is not how I think two people that have been previously intimate would act. But sure, that's how that's how love is, man. It's Makes terrible. you do crazy things. They're broken up again. We start getting focused on Kaniki hating the rival gang, and he wants to race them with his brand new finished car. And they go and but he they gets do hit that. in the head. Well, no, Kaniki races, and then he flips the car and dies. 
It's no. terrible. Kanicki gets hit in the head. It's really not that bad. But it's an excuse for John Travolta to drive for him. So Danny jumps in the car. Danny races yes. Crater Face, which isn't very nice to call this guy. He's got a little nope. pockmark face, I guess. But, you know, he's a badass. He's a scorpion. <laughs> and he wins. And uh, everybody's happy. And I think that's the moment that Sandy's just like, I want to do something nice for Danny. <laughs> She's We're like, meant I to be together. Danny. This is how it's got to be. I need to change for him, which may not be the message they were trying to get across in the movie, but that's how I always took it. Like, if you want to be with who you want to be with, you gotta, uh, you gotta change. You gotta be cool in order to be with Danny. There's a little <laughs> more depth there, but we'll get there. Maybe, maybe there's a little more depth. What's the depth? Um, Tell me. We were there. We're there right now. So the movie ends with them being at the fair. Graduation. It's the last day of school fair. Something like that. Yeah, something like that. Graduation. Yeah. yeah. Who cares? Uh, Frenchie has made over Sandy to be a more traditional T-bird lady. Mm-hmm. Like she's all decked out in leather. Her hair is all up and she's whatever. She's a badass. She she's looks badass. like a badass. But at the same time, we have Danny walking in wearing his letterman's jacket. Because he wanted to change for her. Because he was changing for her and Sandy is trying to change for him. And they look at each other, and they sing a song, it's good, and they get back together, and then they get into a car, and then they drive into the sky, and the movie ends. <sighs> yeah. Now let's talk about two things. Yeah, we're going to summarize Grease 2 way more briefly than that. Yeah, yeah. How good is John Travolta in this movie? He is a natural-born star, especially after Saturday Night Fever, which is a very rough movie. Have you ever seen that lately? Man, that's, Never a, seen that's a dark. that is a dark film at times. For as disco-flavored as people remember it to be, there's like rape and everything in it. It's pretty dark. Anyways, but he's good yeah. in it. He's great in it. Um, but it's a very raw-feeling film, whereas this is like a total Hollywood musical production but he's still great. I love John Travolta, and he deserved to be the A-lister he became. But for some reason, couldn't keep it going in the 80s. I don't know why. Uh, yeah, he's really good in this. Maybe bad management. Very very simply, he's fantastic. Olivia Newton-John is fine. Yeah, she's good. But the songs, man, the songs are what make this movie so good. So I just wanted to talk about the opening song, Grease, by Frankie Valli. Summer Nights. Okay, wait. I had a very important question for you from the music. How much of it was original and how much of it was uh, not original? From what I read, most of it was original aside from You're the One That I Want, the very end song, which is amazing to me that that wasn't in the play originally. Where did that come from? They wrote it for the movie. Oh, okay. That's fine. Yeah. What do you mean original, not original? You know, an Elvis song in there. Oh, I don't don't think there's too much, really. That's good. I think. Right. I think. Yeah. I don't know. I just think. I think most of it was written for the um, for the play. Um, but every once in a while, just to capitalize on teens being teens, they would throw in. Yeah, you're right. They threw in um, like Blue Moon and Tears on My Pillow and stuff like that. Anyway, but I think Hopelessly Devoted to You is the best song. Olivia Newton John nails that one. Um, but then the last song, You're the One That I Want, is also a great song. I mean, it just stays in your head, man. It's an earworm, as they say. It, it, it's Greased totally lighting an earworm. is good. What what was the one right after You're the One That I Want? Oh, yeah. What's that called? We're, we Go Together. Yeah. With all the nonsense words. Yeah. Like, yeah. it's it reminded me of the band Queen. Okay. With We Will Rock You and We Are the Champions, like, right after each other. It felt oh, like yeah, that. Right. <laughs> like, it was like, holy shit, right. this is just 
keeps going with classics. Like they all play, they would always play them together on the radio if they played on the radio. Yeah, you're right. I just think, I mean, the most important part is the music. It's a musical. And they knock it out of the park with this movie. And that takes us into the sequel, which I think fails the biggest because the songs are not there, man. I want to talk about one more thing before we move into Grease 2. But commenting on that, the fact that so much of this cast of this movie originated from various iterations of the stage play it feels like it's a musical theater cast and i don't know if grease 2 has that i don't think so so anyway that in my mind is a differentiator i equate it to like a band that's been playing together for years and then they put out their first album and it's amazing because they spent time with the songs and they and they played them to death on the road they make a hit album so they have to immediately do a follow-up so then they have to come up with songs within like a year or two. And it's just, they don't live in those songs. That's why the the, the sequel or the uh, sophomore release is often disappointing. So it's kind of like you have at least five or six years or more of these, of most of these songs being performed and all the kinks worked out. And then you make a movie of it. And of course it's going to be good. Yeah. But then like you got to make a sequel and you got to come up with everything new. And it just has to be good immediately. That's all. No, I completely agree. Quick comment on Sandy's transformation at the end. Her struggle throughout that movie was just like everybody else. It was balancing out who they were versus what people wanted them to be. You know, Rizzo had a song about that, too. So right. she had a moment. Yeah, yeah, you're right. And she turns out not to be pregnant. So that's not a problem anymore. And her and Kaniki get together at the Apparently, end. yeah, they're all good. With Sandy, it's this apprehension that I'm a good girl and I shouldn't be with somebody who's not a good boy. She starts the movie thinking that she has to date a football player, but it turns into knowing that she can date whoever she wants. She can act however she wants. She just has to be herself and Danny's going to love her. Yeah, I'll go with that. But she's staying that way. <laughs> and the same That's with Danny, like... She's not going I, back to the goody two-shoes. Well, like... Like, this new look is the way it's going to stay. That's the argument, was that <laughs> she was never being herself. She was just acting the way society said she was supposed to act. And when she let go of that, we got That's to see possible. the real Sandy. The same with John Travolta. He was acting in a way that his guys didn't want him to act, including none of them knew that he lettered in track. Yeah, And so, right. like, he's secretly doing these things and then he decided but he's actually the enjoying them yeah and he showed yeah. it off to his friends for the first time at graduation you know even though he took off that letterman's jacket to do the dancing it was still that he had replaced the leather jacket with something else yes okay i'll go with that i think that is layered i think you're right about that but i think what that needs we need a scene with dan with a sandy and her parents who are like uptight conservatives and they have like a dinner party and she's saying things that are like a little risque, you know, like a little off color or whatever. And her father has to kind of put her in place. Like Sandy, young ladies don't act like that. That would have helped me see it better that her transformation was from a girl that she thought everyone wanted her to be to who she really wanted to be or just realized it wasn't important what other people thought. Because I feel like Sandy was always, that's just who she was. So that's why I didn't ever feel like she was changing to somebody who she really was. That's why it was the song about Sandra D, you know, yeah. being the stereotypical American movie star woman. Right. And You're then right. that's why at the end of, of the yeah. race, she sings goodbye to Sandra D. That's true. Yeah. But anyway, I still the just last... didn't feel like that, that she was unhappy. 
it's it's <laughs> there's a lot of turmoil it doesn't in matter a girl's heart yeah. uh you're right last thought on greece the dream sequences <laughs> um the most famous dream sequence of course is sandy and danny flying away mm-hmm. in an automobile at the end which is it a dream confused people part. so much that we even have internet conspiracy theories the most famous <laughs> of which um, because at the start of the movie danny says that he saved sandy from drowning yeah i remember and, i've heard about this and then sandy said oh we just met so the most famous theory is that sandy in fact drowned that danny did not save her she's in a coma and she's living living out a fever dream and then them driving away in the automobile is her being unplugged from the machines and dying <laughs> which the director has gone on to theory. say that i'm gonna write a book about this and i will answer that in length in my book <laughs> but the biggest piece of that not being true is that we have dream sequences throughout this movie this movie is about dreams and hope in the future and these kids daydreaming about what they want out of their lives there's two big examples outside of the car flying that are just straight dream sequences mm-hmm. um one of them is where it seems like frenchie took some bad acid and <laughs> yeah has a dream where frankie avalon himself sings to her that she can't drop out of high school and that she needs to go back in yeah beauty school, school dropout beauty That's school the dropout. famous one yep. and then the next one is when they're working to repair the car oh yeah they're all in the shop working on this thing and in fact they put such a stamp on this moment where they're all sitting there singing to each other they have three guys that they're using for beats throughout the movie looking at them like what the fuck are they doing <laughs> and then we go into the dream sequence where the car is the exact same car that Sandy and Danny drive away in because that yes, car is never right. anywhere except for a dream. Right. And then everybody joins in, including the guys on the side with what the fuck are you, who aren't thinking that and they're singing the song. And then it cuts back to reality and the guys are still off to the side, but these guys are still on top of the car finishing it's a great singing. Cut. And the guys I are love st- that cut. And the guys are still <laughs> off to the side going, what the fuck? And so the argument the movie kind of is making is that these people, when you see them singing, not in fantasy land, is real. (laughs) They're actually doing it. Yeah. Do you ever see, uh, that reminds me of these YouTube videos where people would take the music out of music videos. Have you ever seen that? No. It's incredible because they take all the music out, but they add actual noises in, like the sound of their feet, you know, moving. So it's just people like dancing and singing there was a great one with a uh, bowie and Mick Jagger because they do dancing in the street together it's one of the most embarrassing music videos of all time but they yeah. took the music out of it i'll have to send you the link it's pretty funny but that's what it reminds me of is that these guys are standing there and they're just watching these guys sing this song with no music and they're all just choreographed and they're like what the fuck is going on these people are out of their mind yeah and so that's a to funny finish thought. this thought because we got to talk grease too and oh, i'm yeah, sorry that i'm talking sequel. so much but it's fine talk 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 really pins down the ending with them flying away in that car that didn't actually exist it was sandy or whoever both of their dream that they're going off to live happily ever after and it wasn't necessarily reality but it was them again seeing the future and being hopeful and it was cool to me it always like as a kid i just saw it as this is a hollywood musical and they just wanted to go out with a bang. So they just come up with something. They like, didn't even need any explanation. And that's just why they did it. And I kind of feel like that was in their minds. Yeah. The creators. That, that's, they just wanted to do it. And what yeah. the fuck. 
I completely agree. But I love that everybody has their different reasons for it. That's fun. Movies should be able to have that and they don't enough anymore. Like these And maybe you have the the star turn from Stravolta, you have those amazing songs that stick in your ear. Uh, and you have that what the fuck ending. Those are like three things that keep viewers guessing and coming back to a movie all the time and remembering it throughout history. So I feel like that's one of the most important parts is that it ended with them flying away in a car. That's what has helped keep this movie in the public knowledge ever since. And I was very, so pleasantly surprised by Grease that watching Grease 2 was okay. But yeah, let's do the, let's just take turns. Let's name something that made you unhappy about Grease 2, and then I'll name something that made me unhappy about Grease 2, and we'll keep going. <laughs> All right. Well, let's try to tell the story briefly while we come up with these things. Oh, How about um, that? I think I could do this in two sentences. Let's go. A man meets a girl and decides to change everything about himself so that that girl would be attracted to him, and in the end, it works. Oh, that's pretty good. That's kind of one sentence. <laughs> so we pick up two years later. It's 1961. We're in the 60s now. There's new pink ladies. There's new T-Birds. Uh, new cast. Pretty much all the way around, except the principal comes back. Uh, Sid Caesar's there as the coach, but they don't really give them. They don't really give him much to do. And the nerd comes back, but nobody. Yeah, the nerd nobody comes really, back for some really reason. Yeah. Oh, and he was the only one who had a gay slur. They gave him a gay slur in Greece. Yes, right. What was that? I don't remember, but I was like, oh, because I remember commenting, ah, if that had happened nowadays, they would have said <laughs> beep, beep. Yeah, right, right, right. <laughs> what bothered me right off the top? Oh, the first song was Garbage. And I was in, I knew I was in for a long watch. It just, it has no, had none of the lyrical quality of the first movie. The songs in the original film had puns to them, right? Like, like clever lyrics. But this one just like, they just sung the story or they just sung what was going on and it took all the fun out of it and the backing tracks even just sounded stock music almost like there wasn't any creativity behind it i think we've talked about this before like music just doesn't process in my brain the same way that a movie or tv show does i can't remember a single one of these songs you just knew every time a song started that you were like all right we gotta wait for this to wrap up You think of the last song of Greece, the, the big duet between Travolta and, and Newton John, lyrics like, I got chills, it's electrifying, and she's like, You better shape up because I need a man, and my heart is set on you. Like clever writing. And then this one is like Michelle Pfeiffer singing, We're going back to high school. Today's the first day. Let's see what's going to happen at this new year. Like, <laughs> That's just not good. And I that's what bothered me immediately off the top. And I mean, we can pinpoint that down pretty darn quick. These songs were written for a movie and Greece was the songs were written for a musical. That is a big difference. They're acting while they're singing those songs and they're moving yes. the story forward. When the songs are being sung here, everything comes to a screeching halt. The songs in Greece too are just filler for a movie that doesn't need the music to, to tell the story. So they hire Patricia Birch to direct this bad boy. Yeah, by the way, who's the choreographer on Greece? Inspired choice, I thought. The both the play and the film. And so the one thing that we do have in this movie is some decent choreographed movement. Like they went bigger yes. with this movie. There was They had a bigger budget and yeah, I think she did she did an admirable job. And what I read was that she was super excited after, you know, working for 10 years in Hollywood as a choreographer and various other things in movies. 
uh, to get this opportunity. And then they were like, oh, and by the way, uh, John Travolta, Olivia Newton-John, <laughs> none of the cast um, or the songwriters will be a part of this. And then she was like, fuck. <laughs> like she even knew of what a battle she was going to be in for. But I think she made a commitment and she saw it through best she could. And the movie's not all bad. It's just the songs aren't there. And without the songs. See, I didn't even like the story that much. The story was okay because I feel like they did something. They subverted Greece in a way. Because So what we have is two years later... There's new pink ladies, new new T-birds. Michelle Pfeiffer is the lead female. She's the lead. She's like the new Rizzo. Mm-hmm. Okay, but she's now given the lead. She's a bad girl, and she's now the John Travolta character. In comes Sandy's cousin, who's English. English. And now that made me rethink: Is she actually Australian in Greece, or is she English? She was for sure Australian. Okay. Now in real life, Olivia Newton-John, I believe she's English, but she grew up in Australia. Oh, I just knew she was from Australia. I didn't know if she where she was born. So do you really need to know all of this background on the actress for you to make sense of why her cousin would just be straight up English? Because that makes sense if he's Olivia Newton-John's cousin, but it doesn't make so much sense if he's Sandy, whatever his name is, cousin. Anyway, so, but he's the good guy. He's the Sandra D type that comes to Rydell High and he meets yep. Frenchie. She's also one person that came back just to be like a connection, I guess, between the two first two movies to say like, oh, you're Sandy's cousin. Like she's like just giving some exposition. Well, Sandy called her and made sure she looked out for him. And as I mentioned before, she drops out of beauty school in the first movie. Frankie Avalon tells her to come back. I thought she did. But now this movie says that two years later, she's coming back to to finish her GED. When she's in the chemistry lab, being clearly older than everybody else, I feel like she gave a different reason for why she was there that day. Doesn't make much sense. Anyway, she's back. But again, she's not given much to do either. She's just there to be like, oh, look, it's uh, it's Frenchie. Yeah. So Maxwell Caulfield. Caulfield. Did you look at his filmography? Uh, he has only one other notable role. Because I knew him, but I didn't know where I saw him from. And I don't even know if I made this connection, but I was like, oh, yeah, that movie all my friends liked that I could not stand. I love Empire Records to this day. <laughs> and I could not stand that film. I probably have not watched it in 20 years, though. Uh, Maxwell Caulfield is best known for his role as rex manning in empire records it wasn't he like the asshole pop musician that was coming to their store that all to the girls had something? the hotspur yeah but even in that movie weren't they saying how he was just a little washed up but for some reason Liv tyler was still all about him and she wanted to bang him yeah yeah so maxwell caulfield gets gets this role and he says that he was being talked about like he was the next Richard Gere, like he was the next John Travolta or whatever. Um, and this ruined his career for like the next 10 years. So I feel bad for that. Because I don't think he does a good job, but he's not really well cast. Because number one, he is actually English, which I was surprised to find out because his his, his uh, delivery sounds so fake. It sounds like a fake English accent. He's just not that he's not given much to do. But for some reason, this is what I call the Margot Kidder problem. You know, Margot Kidder, Lois Lane from Superman? Yeah. Whenever I watch Superman, why the fuck is he attracted to this skinny, older, chain-smoking... Why is Christopher Reeve, Superman, the superest man of all, so enamored with this woman? And anyway, so that's how I see the way... Uh, what is Maxwell Caulfield's name in here? Uh, douche McNugget. Um... <laughs> I don't know. Anyway, yes, Michael but Carrington. I don't... 
Michael. So so why is Michael so enamored with Stephanie? Now, Stephanie is Michelle Pfeiffer. She's very attractive. I got nothing wrong with that. But she is like some like tough-talking girl from the streets, works at a gas station. Like, why is he so enamored with her? I don't get it. Like, that's yeah. all. It's like they told him that, that he should be because that's the way the script is written. But, like, she's not for him. And that's what that that's the second thing that bothered me about this movie is that the whole movie is about him trying to get this girl. But I'm like, you could probably do better. Yeah. The whole movie is him trying to become a T-bird. And the T-birds are actually the enemy in this movie, which is a weird yeah. little twist. And they're kind of losers. They're kind of losers. So why do you want to be that way when he's like a good-looking, smart, clearly charming, and, and funny guy? Like, what are you changing for? Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's this movie just sucks. Um, there's a <laughs> musical at a bowling alley. Oh, my God. Like, that that song was awful. We're going to score tonight. It was so obvious. Like, it's like where is the amazing lyrical content? Like, a good pun. But all they were just they were just talking about scoring like the, the, the I'll give them this thing that the Grease 2 is even hornier than the original movie. I don't know how that's possible. These kids are really horny in this movie. This movie is almost entirely the British dude. Michael. Deciding not to tell anybody who he is wearing a helmet like a vigilante swooping in whenever there's danger because he's quietly stalking them well he wants to get a bike because he realizes that stephanie wants a guy because she sings a song very specifically telling him i want a cool rider which is probably one of the better songs in the movie so he's like oh in order to get stephanie i need to be a cool rider i need to get my own bike so he goes about doing that and then just happenstance dictates that he then hit his identity as he saved their lives from from the uh, from the new scorpions over and over, and then he just keeps it up. But I feel like the first time was like he wasn't trying to hide who he was; it just happened that way. <laughs> so now he's like, "Oh, now I'm a superhero." So now he just needs to keep it going. The scorpions are defunct. These are the cycle lords, R- led by the old scorpion. Yes, because now I, I like that change. That now it's not cars; it's bikes. Right. That's cool. And I was yes. They that. did some cultural shifts here to welcome in the '60s, and that part was fine it all ends i mean what am i missing the movie ends with him revealing himself and then they get together well the leader of the t-birds he's a guy that actually played danny adrian zamed like he played yeah, people knew him from tj hooker but he actually played danny on like the uh in the grease play and i think they said he went on to play danny again during broadway or off broadway in the 90s <laughs> i was like really? wow he would have been really old it seems like anyway good for him but he's one of the best and his career did fine after this same with michelle pfeiffer obviously it destroyed everyone else um and and the director never directed it again but the leader of the t-bird he makes it uh, clear that like the pink ladies are their girls so that's where i get that from and i like that change so it's really just about him dealing with his jealousy he's kind of the danny role now in the way but he's never supposed to end up with with her so we kind of just go through the motions because obviously michael and stephanie are going to end up together and that's exactly what happens yeah and then there's a lot more horrible music uh very like the innuendo is just so in your face about like scoring uh one of the t-birds takes the girl into the bomb shelter which is for some reason michael writes uh, in the bomb shelter. the reason he got the motorcycle is because he would do the t-birds homework for them and they would pay him that's how he bought the motorcycle and he would do all of his writing their essays in a bomb shelter that his uncle had and so the guy takes his girlfriend to the bomb shelter to try to score with her it doesn't work there's a couple but that guy was good that t-bird i thought he was a pretty fun actor the weirdest thing in here was when goose on the t-birds actually purchases michael's 
grandmother's house and threatens to evict her over it. Like, that part was crazy <laughs> to me. Where did that come from? Uh, Goose from the T-Birds. Are, are you putting that together at all? Uh, No. Played by the great Christopher McDonald. Yes. Shooter McGavin. Okay, well, so he didn't suffer from this movie either. He did pretty well. Shooter McGavin. What the hell else can we say about Grease 2? I just didn't enjoy it that much. I mean, it was a competently made movie, but the song sucked. The biggest issue with Grease 2, it isn't a sequel. It's a movie set in the Grease universe, but in no way is it Grease too. But there's the pink ladies and the T-Birds, so I, it is Grease, and they fight the new version of the Scorpions. So Calling this a proper sequel is like calling Dirty Dancing Havana Nights a proper sequel. No, that would be calling uh, the same name to market it, but it's in the same world. Thank you. That's what they're doing in. No, this is this has too many things to it. Frenchie's in it, for God's sakes. The principal and her assistant are the same. Coach Calhoun is there. It's the wor- it's the same place. It's just two years later. No. <laughs> no. All right. A sequel in our eyes continues the story of the original movie in some way yeah but i'm sure we've we've done things that haven't followed that rule i don't know man maybe not i don't know well i'll tell you what we have done we did uh bad lieutenant those are two things that had nothing to do with each other that is from the name that's the same concept here but i knew that going in but Grease 2, I never thought of the same thing because there's still the Pink Ladies and the T-Birds. That's what joins everything together. I mean, yeah. It is a Grease movie that happens in the Grease extended universe. I heard they're making a new, uh, like a prequel film. Where they I doubt it it'll ever film. happen. With streaming, anything's possible. They could put it on Paramount. There is talk of a prequel movie focusing on Danny and Sandy's romantic summer, which sounds like the most boring fucking thing. <laughs> like we know it how it ends in Australia. Yeah, in Australia, we'll finally figure out what country that <laughs> water is in. Yeah, um, but yeah, Greece two did very very poorly. It made eleven million on a fifteen million. Uh, it made fifteen on an eleven million dollar budget. What was the budget on Greece? Uh, I think just a couple million, maybe like three million. Six million in its initial run made a hundred and forty million dollars. If I did my inflation calculator properly that would equal out to about 650 million today damn domestic i think travolta's still getting uh, royalties from that too because it plays all the time yeah but yeah that was grease too i do not recommend this movie no i don't either sorry we had to but I, you know i'm glad we got through it i'm sorry i had to force you to watch it but... i'm happy that we got through it because grease was a great movie and i'm glad that i've gotten the chance Good. i'm glad you saw it yeah we are signing off. Um, please rate, review, subscribe. Talk about us on social media. Get your grandma to listen to an episode. Goodbye, Olivia Newton-John. Thanks for thanks for being part. You know, I met her. I interviewed her with a reporter. Uh, it was at the, get this, 28th Street Meyer. She was there shilling her brother-in-law's new wine. Really? I believe straight from Australia. Yeah. So she came. Just to sign autographs and to talk up her brother-in-law's wine. And uh, a reporter and I did a live interview with her. That's awesome. Yeah. Isn't that funny? Yeah. That's really funny. No, she's a nice older lady. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, uh, thanks for listening. Bye. Bye.